We're so glad you're here with us today. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. And I want to just invite each and every one of you to connect with us throughout the week. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to download our Riverbend app. And on that app, you'll find also a gift from us to you called Right Now Media. And I want to just encourage you to go to your app store. And if you're not sure how to download an app or how to get this app, you can easily find those instructions on our website, riverbendonline.org. And if you're following along with our gathering today and you want to get notes, you can find those on what's called Sunday Essentials. And then you can follow along that way and, and fill in those, those blank uh, s- slides and, and, and uh, areas with the different... I'm going to do that again. Is that okay, Chris? <laughs> Is that okay? Does that mess you up too much? <laughs> it messes you up, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, here we go. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure. I'll just keep talking. All right. <clears throat> hey, we're so glad you're here with us today. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend, and we want to make sure you know how to stay connected to what's going on here throughout the week and as well to make the most of our time together this morning. And simply put, if you'll download the Riverbend app, You'll find information that will help you to take your next step here. Also, notes page for today's sermon that you can follow along in that way. And then you can email it to yourself following the gathering so that you can have that as a reference point. And then there's a gift there for you from Right Now Media, which is an incredible, incredible uh, database and also video collection of great teachings and content to help you follow after Jesus, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. If you're not sure how to download the app, all you have to go to is riverbendonline.org, and we have instructions right there on the homepage to help you do that. But again, we're so glad each and every one of you is here with us today as we are continuing our teaching series called Run Your Race. Run Your Race. Now, as we think about running our race, here's a question I want to ask and answer today. How do you train for the race you run? How do you train for the race that you run? And as you, as you think about training, Something about that is daunting, I think, to all of us. Right? <laughs> like thinking about training for, for a run, whether that's getting ready for uh, a competition or a marathon that we're going to run. Maybe it's a, a tough mutter. Those types of competitions, man, they, they cost a lot as far as physical training. And then on, on an up-close way in my own uh, friendships, I've, I've gotten to know an American Ninja Warrior and John Huey. And as I've gotten to know him, I've watched how hard he trains and how hard he works. But as he works hard to get ready for these competitions, and he's been featured on seasons 12 and 13 of American Ninja Warrior, which is a great show on NBC, as he's been featured on that, it costs him a lot. But the joy of what he achieves by doing so is worth it for him. But I don't want us to miss it. It, it costs him blood, you know, blood, sweat, and tears to, to move towards getting better and improving and growing in those areas. And in the process, he develops friendships. In the process, others come alongside him, as well as like my good friend, Sean Schwarzy, who recently came alongside John Huey and learned and grew in his own skills and then had his first competition and, and placed first place in that, which is amazing, especially your first competition. And then I think about others in our church who, who train and, and really work hard to ensure that they get better and that they improve, whether that's with lifting weights or whether that's running or other ways that they go about do that, doing that. Maybe that's athletics through like basketball or, or football. 
all the things that they have in common is they have to train, they have to work towards it. They have to grow in where they've been to where they want to go. And that means they have to put effort into it, time into it, at times even money, times away from the things that they really enjoy, like being with their families, so that they can actually pour themselves and give themselves into getting better and growing and improving. And in our own lives as well, as we think about training for the race that we're to run, as we come after all that God has for us and all that he's intended for us, we have to be a people who allow him to train us. And so how do we walk with him so that we can grow in such a way that we improve and develop and move towards what he has for us, what we were created for, and and that we're able to run the race that he has designed each and every one of us for. How do we go about doing that? Well, I want us to see that today because last week we talked about what the race is and how we do it. Today, I want to focus more on the training piece of it. And the, the author of Hebrews really does a great job of laying out for us how we go about getting trained for the race that we were created and intended to run. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and starting in verse 4, listen to what it says. It says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And, and you hear that, and you're like, whoo, wait a minute. Like, I haven't resisted that much. And what's this a reference to? Well, this is actually a reference to what Jesus did. He resisted sin to the point of shedding blood. And then he took on our sin. He took on our sin and he was hung on a cross. And as he was hung on a cross, his blood spilled out from him. But he did that for us. And he did that so that we could walk in his power and run the race that we were created for. And so he says, and you struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And as we think about that word sin, it's a very churchy word for many of us, but we don't even know what it fully means oftentimes when we hear it. But sin is to come short of what God's standard is and intent for our lives. And there there are sins of omission where we omit out what he asks of us to do. And then there's sins of commission where we commit doing something that he doesn't want us to do. And it's not just what we do. It's also the inner attitudes and motivations of our hearts as well. And so he says, listen, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens every one he accepts as his son. And so he says to them, to the, these groups of, of followers of Jesus in this, this letter that he's writing to them, he says, have you forgotten, have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? And, and really, specifically, a lot of commentaries say that about this is, is really there's a lot of pain and suffering that was coming on these group of followers of Jesus. And he's saying, hey, in the midst of, of your suffering and your pain, in the midst of all the things that are going on in your life. He says, I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to forget how you're addressed. You're addressed as a son or a daughter. And he says, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone 
he accepts as a son. In other words, this is really about a heart of a father towards his son and daughters whenever discipline is enacted. And we're going to break down in just a few moments here what discipline is, but part of discipline is really dealing with issues of our own sin and how God wants to grow us and and work in those areas of our lives, not to condemn us, but to convict us and to move us towards what he has for us. Sometimes discipline comes because we are doing something really, really good in our lives. And as Jesus says in John 15, he wants to prune us so that we can bear more fruit. So it's not always having to deal with a sin that we've done or or something that we're not doing, but rather something good is happening in our lives. And he wants to grow us in in order for us to produce more fruit in our lives. Sometimes, as we're going to see here, it's because there's some suffering and pain and brokenness that's coming in uh, our lives because we live in a fallen world. And he wants to use that to grow us as well. This is all part of the way that God trains. And I want us to hear that heart because his heart to us is a heart of love and acceptance. As a, a father loves his son and daughter, he really is bringing us in to what he's created us for and intended for us for when it trains us and disciplines us. It's not done out of a callous heart or a distant father or stonewalling us or absentee. It's done from a place with a father that deeply loves us and cares for us. And it goes on to say this. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So he says, listen, when you endure hardship, and again, he's not making light of the hardship. Hardship is hard, right? It's in that word, hard. It's difficult. It's painful. But as you endure it, Endure it as discipline. Endure it as an opportunity to grow in the likeness of Jesus. You know, endure it as one who is developing character and perseverance, as Romans 5 talks about. We're we're meant to endure it that way. And as you do so, he doesn't want us to miss the heart of the Father towards us. He says, for what children are not disciplined by their Father? And we can look at times in our own lives maybe we haven't experienced discipline or we've experienced discipline poorly. You know, and, and I know in my own story, I know what that's like to have a dad that was in my life and then leaves and then comes back and he tries to enact discipline without relationship. And it's very difficult to receive discipline from somebody like that. And now me and my dad have a great relationship. But at the same point in time, it makes it difficult to understand what discipline is meant to be. Because discipline, as you see in this passage, isn't a mark of someone who doesn't love you when they discipline you. And according to this, when God disciplines, it's actually an act of great love for you. His love, his acceptance, his fact of saying, you're not illegitimate, but you're legitimate children of mine. It speaks of his great care for us. So a couple of things on this. First of all, is this that discipline without a relationship leads to rebellion and resentment. And I want you to hear that because if you hear just discipline on its own and you start thinking about it in the form of, hey, I'm going to white knuckle my way through. I want to get better. I want to do better. But I'm going to do it apart from a relationship with God. It will lead to rebellion and resentment. And if you don't know that he wants a relationship with you, it will lead to that. You know, it's just like my son Ray. You know, as I'm getting to know my son who just turned five, 
there are things that I understand about him more so than I did when he first was born. First of all, I understand what type of discipline he actually needs. But that happens because of relationship, right? There's a relational quality. And so I know the things he needs to grow in and improve in, but I also know the ways in which discipline is going to be received best by him. And that doesn't mean that discipline's pleasant. And that doesn't mean I ask him, hey, what kind of discipline would you like? (laughs) That's not what I mean. I simply mean the heart of the father understands his children and understands what they need. There's a relationship there. He's doing it with us. He's walking with us through this discipline and this training. But if you don't have that type of relationship with your heavenly father, it will feel like rigid rules and it will cause this rebellion and this resentment towards God. And maybe you were brought up in a church where it was rigid rules. Was was do this or don't do that. It was a to-do list. And that's not the heart of this passage at all. Rather, it's the heart of a father walking alongside his children to see them be able to run the race that they were intended and created for, to see them train, grow, develop, and to mature into the likeness of Jesus. So again, discipline without a relationship leads to rebellion and resentment. Discipline is proof of God's delight in you as his child. And I want you to hear that because without discipline, according to this passage, we would be like illegitimate children. But the fact that he disciplines us is an act of love. It's an act of his acceptance of us as part of his family. It shows his delight in us. You know, if if you think about it in this way, well, it's very true that rules without relationship are going to lead to a rebellion and a resentment in a person. I would say also it's true that if you have a relationship and there's no form of of rules and, and boundaries, you're actually setting that person up for failure and disaster going forward in their lives. They're not going to be able to grow. They're not going to be able to fully step into who they were created for. And the same is true of us. When we're unwilling to come under discipline, even though it's not pleasant, even though it's painful, we cannot step fully into what we were intended and created for. But again, if we understand God's heart towards us to walk with us so that we can run the race we were created for, we understand that discipline then is proof of God's delight in us as his child. And so as we think about discipline, I want to just give us this definition. Healthy discipline equals rules with relationships. Because rules simply are just boundary lines. They're boundaries for how we're to live our lives. And it says in Psalm 16 that your boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places for me. And so boundary lines can be viewed as something that hinders our lives, or we can view them the way that they were intended to be viewed, as this passage talks about in the heart of our Heavenly Father, as ways in which we are set free and we are healed to walk by His help and strength and power to life and the race that we were created for. It it sets the lanes. It sets the lanes. It allows us to run freely the freedom that he's created us for and the, the freedom that we so desire and long for. So again, healthy discipline equals rule rules with relationships. Well, it goes on here in the passage and it says this, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits 
and live. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And he says, listen, what, what human father, what human father have we seen discipline based off, again, rules with relationships that we don't look at and say, I respect this person. Well, he's saying we respect those who did discipline in that way. We have a great deal of respect for them. Uh, recently, I was at a, a memorial service and funeral for a man named Jim Howard. And it was so evident to me the respect that he had from his children and his grandchildren and many in the church that he, where he served at. And this was a church that I was a part of and I was a youth pastor at for the first three years after, after college. And, and as I got to know him and I, I saw him, there's this steadfastness, there's this faithful discipline in his life. But not only is there this faithful discipline in his life, but then he would bring that loving discipline to his children his grandchildren as well. He would help them to grow and develop. He was a man, though, that was very respected as a result of that. And he says they disciplined us for a while. Jim Howard disciplined for a while, right? But how much more, how much more should we submit to the Father of Spirit and live? How much more should we come under his leadership? Because under his leadership, we can step into the life that we were created for, and share in his holiness. And sharing in his holiness speaks of being set apart, so called out, but then not only called out, but to join him and what he intends for our lives, but the lives of those around us as well. And so it's this picture of these good works that we're prepared in advance for us to do, as Ephesians 2.10 says about us, that we're his workmanship, and the way you're made up, the color of your skin, your experiences, your economics, all those pieces of who you are, your pain, your suffering, it's all ways in which are intended to be filtered through God's hand. And as we allow them to be filtered through God's hand and we take his hand, and then we are sharing in his holiness. We're living this life that's full and eternal and abundant that's marked by the life that Jesus himself has offered us and given us freely through our trust in what he would do for us. So as we consider that, there's a couple things I want us to understand. Discipline is how we are trained in holiness. Discipline is how we are trained in holiness. And holiness, again, is such a gift for us because Jesus himself was holy. He was perfect. He was blameless. But now we step in faith and trust in him, and his holiness becomes our holiness. And we're ever moving towards the holiness of Christ in our lives. And that's a, another theological word called sanctification. So we're justified through Jesus. And in Jesus, we're made holy. And through Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're continuing to be trained towards holiness as well. We're taking on the likeness of Christ in our inner attitudes and thoughts and then our actions and then caring about what he cares about. And so that's going to affect the way we view all of life. It's going to impact the way I view my time, my resources. It's going to impact the way I, I view my free time. It's going to view the, uh, impact the way I view the opposite sex. It's going to impact the way I view people of different ethnic backgrounds. It's going to impact everything. It's going to impact everything because I'm sharing in His holiness. And when His holiness takes shape in me, 
it can't help but affect the way I see life and I go about then living my life because I'm joining him and what he has for me. But it comes down to submitting, right? He uses that word submitting, surrendering to the one who's over it all. The one who through him gives us this life, this life that we were created for and intended for. So we have to surrender over to the life that he's created us for in order to share in his holiness. And part of that is that discipline. So how is God growing you in order to share in his holiness? And this is a question I want us to be thinking about in our own lives. How is God growing you in order to share in his holiness? What is it that he's doing in your life in this moment right now? And I want you to be thinking about that. And maybe you've been reluctant or maybe you've been putting an arm's length uh, at, at, at him and, and keeping distance from him, but he's inviting you into something, not to condemn you, but to deepen his conviction of who you are created to be, and what he says of you, and even for you to get to the point of not only confessing sin, but seeing the power to change through what he's offered you and done for you, and then allowing others to come around you in that. I want you to be thinking about where in your life right now is he attempting to do that? Where is he wanting to do that? And then to take it a step further and to let people in your life know about those changes that he's seeking to do. I would just encourage you to pick one person that you know loves Jesus and loves you and let them know so that they can encourage you and cheer you on in that. Well, as we continue on here in this passage, it says this, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Would we agree with that? No discipline seems pleasant at the time? I think we would all agree with that. But painful. It, it feels painful. I mean, you know, when you're out lifting weights and, and you're going at it and, and you keep going and you keep going and you add more weight, it doesn't feel pleasant but painful. But listen to what he says. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So again, no discipline seems pleasant, but it's painful. But for those who have been trained by it, it produces this harvest of peace and righteousness. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And as we're strengthened, and as we're growing, and as we're experiencing all that God has for us, then we join Jesus in strengthening the, the you know, it says, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. As that's happening, then we're going to make level paths, not only for our feet, but also for those who are hurting, those who are weak, the least, the lost, the lonely. We're going to care about the people around us. And so he wants to strengthen those areas in our lives. Again, make, it says very clearly here, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed, but rather healed. And so as we think about what it says here, I want us to just understand a couple of things about discipline. Discipline doesn't feel right, but produces righteousness. And righteousness really speaks to being made right with God and not only right with God, but joining him and doing what he says is right. So we're going to 
not only experience being made right with God through faith in Jesus, then we're going to see our lives be changed to the point where we're bringing about his rightness to this world. We're, we're bringing back his order. We're bringing about what he says is right. That's why Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We're about the kingdom business of Jesus as a result. So discipline doesn't feel right, but produces righteousness. And then the next part of this is that discipline is painful, but produces peace. So if we're waiting for it to feel right, in order for us to grow and go with God as our Heavenly Father who loves and cares for us deeply, we'll never go. But if we understand the outcome, and this is what he's talking about. He says, hey, there's the outcome of not only sharing in his holiness, but also this righteousness and this peace that is ours. And peace speaks to this shalom that we have with God, that we are walking in the fullness of what he says of us and has for us. And not only that, but that we're bringing that wherever we go as well. There's a, a peace, the peace that is about his view and purposes for our lives that we then are able to step into. So discipline is painful, but produces peace, but produces peace. And it says these last couple of verses here again, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And I want to just close out on these couple of verses here because there's something about being strengthened where your arms are feeble and your, weak, your knees are weak. And he talks about making level the paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. And I want us to just take account and stock in our lives with a couple questions. Where are you weak and how can God's discipline strengthen you? Where are you weak right now? Where is there a weakness in your own life? And how can God's discipline strengthen you? What, what is it in your own life that you would say, man, I, I, I have a weakness here. I have a weakness here. God's trying to grow me. God's trying to strengthen me right now. Where is that in your own life? Yeah, I, I know for me this week, coming off Easter, I, I'm so excited about all God's doing and there's so much to celebrate. But one of the things that God was trying to strengthen me in is to be wholeheartedly with him and be with those around me, and to slow down. Because it's so easy once I start getting revved up to stay at that place. Because there's so much I want to see done, so much that needs to happen, so much that I'm excited about. And not that in, that in itself is bad or wrong. I think it's, it's good. But it's wrong when it gets out of bounds with waiting on him and letting him take the lead and me joining him in what he's doing. It's wrong when I can't, I put down my phone and I'm incessantly checking my phone thinking somehow that's going to solve whatever it is that I'm seeing or feeling. And so part of the thing that God was saying to me this week is, hey, will you just put it down for a minute? <laughs> I need you to step away from social media. <laughs> step away. Put the phone down. Step away. Be wholeheartedly with me and others. Slow down to experience my love for you so that you then can love others well and lead others well. What about for you? What's that in your own life? Where are you weak? And how can God's discipline strengthen you? Next question, who has God brought into your life to help strengthen you? Because one of the things that we need to understand as we read through scriptures like this, we can read them as they're very personal, and they are personal, but they are written to a community of people. And so we need people in our lives 
who are going to help strengthen us, who are going to lovingly say to us, both in the cheering us on, as we said last week, in the challenging, hey, this is what I see in you, and I'm, and I'm so thankful for how God's using you. Hey, here's an area of growth and opportunity and development that I see. We, we need people like that. We need people who will say to, say to you, hey, I see this, and I'm affirming it, and I'm encouraging you in it, but also I see this area where you are getting a little off track here. You know, I, I had friends this week, even as speaking, speaking of the phone thing, that just helped me to think through, like, hey, slow down a little bit. You know, you're, you're excitable, you're energetic. That, that came through my wife and even through my brother John, through Pastor Chris, <laughs> through others as well to say, hey, again, they weren't rebuking me. They were just lovingly saying, hey, slow down a little bit. You need to, you need to slow down. And they're right, because when I slow down, then I can see clearly and I do my best work. I do my best work. I'm at my best when I'm working from a place of rest. And what does rest mean? It doesn't mean just vegging on the, the, the couch and watching TV. It means trusting God with outcomes, trusting him and letting him have his way. What about you? Who are those people in your own life? And then the last question is, who has God put on your path to help bring his healing hand? It talks about this passage, not just in the sake of our own lives and, and the communal aspect of of who we're becoming collectively, but it also speaks to those who are are lame and those who need healing. And maybe that's you. Maybe you feel like you need healing. But also there are people all around us here in the valley who need the healing touch of Jesus. And the way that we're able to join him in that is to come under his discipline. As we come under his discipline again, we share in his holiness. We experience the life that's abundant and full and eternal in him. We experience the harvest of, of righteousness and peace, right? We, we get stronger and we're able then to walk with. Not perfect. This is not what I'm talking about because we're forever in process, but rather we're a people who are coming under his leadership and allowing our lives to be changed and transformed by who Jesus is. And then what happens is people are drawn to that, but then we have an opportunity as we're strengthened in Jesus, as we come under his loving discipline of us and walk with him then to be what Henry Nouwen calls wounded healers. And as we're wounded healers, then we're able to say, hey, as Jesus has healed us, as he's working in our lives, we want to be his hands and feet to you. And as we think about this idea of training, discipline, all these parts that are, are painful and hard, Ann Voskamp has this, this great quote. She says, you get to choose in life between two different pains, the pain of disappointment or the pain of discipline. Which one will you choose? Disappointment is, hey, I, I'm unwilling to come under discipline and to experience change, transformation, and growth because it's, it's, too, it's too painful for me to do. Or you can come under the pain of, of, of discipline. And even though, as it says in this passage, it doesn't feel pleasant, it doesn't feel right, and yet experience all that God has created for us. But the choice is us, is, is ours. You know, it's up to us. You know, it's, it's our choice of what we're going to go with. Are we going to go with, again, disappointment or discipline? Let's pray together. Father, right now, we love you so much. We thank you for how you're working in our midst, and we're grateful for just the opportunity to work through what it looks like to be trained for the race that we're created to run. I pray, God, right now, you would help us to come under your loving discipline for us, 
And again, it's not maybe because there's something we're doing wrong. It could be we're doing something right and there's more fruit that you want to bear in our lives. Or maybe it's the enduring of hardship and suffering. Or maybe for us it is sin. Maybe there's something in our lives that we need to confess and we need to go to work with you. And all these things, though, are in order for us to, to be strengthened where we're weak to grow so that we can experience the life that you've created us for, so that we can understand your love and acceptance and that we are not illegitimate, but we're legitimate children of you, uh, that you call us your children that you love and you delight in. And that will lead us then to share in, in your holiness and in your life and your righteousness and your peace. Father, I just pray as we're strengthening you that then we could be a collective church who truly is about bringing your healing touch to those all around us. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.